I'm recording. It is out. Well, everyone, welcome back to the Easing the Reader podcast. Season two, The Great Hunt Continues. You'd think that it was a hunting podcast, but it is not. It kind of is. We're hunting for subscribers. Yes, we are. My name is Chris Mary Holman. With me, I have David Green. Hello. And, hello. Yes. And um, well, the hunt is the hunt is over, isn't it? Really. Um, when 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 we when we start the, these chapters, the hunt was kind of over. But yes, then something happened. Absolutely, it was a twist. I didn't see uh, it. I, didn't, I told you that there was twist ahead. Because yeah, <laughs> we said uh, we were talking last time about that. This is very weird because you know the hunt. It's called the Great Hunt, but the hunt has re- really kind of by the time we were talking last week, the hunt was over because they there it is because they had grabbed the the horn of Valir already. They did. And they actually, Ran has it in his sweaty box, yes. not, in his, not in his hands, but he keeps it. He keeps it in his little box that Loyal has a blanket over. I know it's just so they're sitting there hiding this box under a blanket. This old oak here with this big blanket is hiding it, not looking inconspicuous at all. Um, no. But I mean, is there some news? Because what happened? What's happened? And I happened to see it was uh, because. I follow Bleeding Cool, which yes. for a long time was the go-to place for for all cool. nerdy all things. Coolness. Yeah, yeah. Rich Johnson, although, although not very popular. Bleeding Cool. Uh, Bleeding Cool is popular, but Rich Rich Johnston, right, was his, is his name, the guy who runs it. I don't know. This yeah, is all news so. to me. This is I, I never I knew the name of the website, but I never ever read it. For yeah, he's a Brit, hmm. actually, and he, I think he had a bad reputation because people felt that he, um, I don't know, fudged some facts or was very kind of like opinionated because he's very much like. I mean, he comes from like the British tabloid press from the beginning, so a lot oh. of Americans were feeling like. Is this really newsworthy news? Well, you know, it's, uh, I'm going to say something that's going to blow your mind now. All British people do not know each other. No. <laughs> there's a lot of people in the British, if you take the British Isles as a whole, there's about 70 million people. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it only looks small on the map. And where I'm on my little island of Ireland, of all five million of us, still quite a lot of people. Yeah. Five million people is not there, it's quite a lot. Well, I just figured that you might have known that he was a Brit, seeing no, that it was all bleeding uh, cool. I avoided tabloid newspapers as well as much as I could. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, I, I wouldn't, if he worked for someone like The Sun or The Daily Star or The Mirror, would, I would not know. I think you might have done the wrestling pages in the song. Oh, it's I, like I, the only. No, 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 that is not. Uh, that is not for me. It's weird that a, a rep, well, not reputable paper, but a paper, a newspaper at all, would have like a wrestling section. That is weird, isn't it? It <laughs> is really weird. Anyway, that's a teaser showed up. It did. Bleeding cool are very very excited about. 
the wheel of time. Good, so they should be. I'm very excited about it. <laughs> I don't mind telling you this news. I'm very excited about it. But it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't that much. It was uh, Moraine getting blown away. Kind of. well, blowing someone, I guess. <laughs> Something was blowing. Yeah. So um, I think it was. Uh, I was on a discussion with someone online about this, about like those theories about when it could be, and I think it's very clearly that it's winter night mm. at the very start of the book because it's obviously something that we don't see in the in the in the book. We hear about it. But as an adaptation, like it's a great way to show this is what this person can do. Uh, this is the one power. This is this bit of action. Um, so I think it's pretty clear that it's there because you can kind of see like there's lanterns behind her and stuff. And we yeah. saw kind of concept art of Emmonsfield for winter night. And it kind of lines up. Plus as well. It, it looks again like it's going to be some like like the uh, the teaser with the dagger a few weeks ago. Yeah, it looks like it's actually stuff that's going to be in a trailer. Um, and most companies, PR companies, will only kind of use stuff that's going to be like the first couple of episodes of a season. Um, or like if it's a film, it's like from the first hour of a film or something they, they genuinely don't use stuff from later on in in the seasons so it's going to be something that's pretty early but it's great though because it's the first time that we've actually you know seen one of the characters in costume yeah, and, yeah. and doing the thing yeah how, oh, how old is moraine supposed to be uh moraine is uh in her 40s okay mm. but obviously she has in the books she has the um ageless look yeah yeah but like um, uh, Rafe, the showrunner, was talking about that. And he said, like, basically, they're not going to be doing that in the TV show because to CGI every single person's face <laughs> is just a, he just said it, so it's not a good use of money. Well, they so. can do like they did in in um, Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman, and just smear a bunch of Vaseline on the. the That's level. the way they used to do it. Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, I'm I'm rewatching Lost at the moment. Uh, yeah. I I think we talked about this before, but I know, yeah. I know we talked about it. Uh, I was so hoping you were going to say that you're rewatching Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman. <laughs> yeah, just just so happens to be rewatching it. Um. Yeah, I'm rewatching Lost at the minute, and obviously with with that, there's like lots of jumping around in time with the flashbacks and stuff, and some of it is hilarious when you go like, <laughs> like especially with some of the actors like um, Terry O'Quinn, yeah. uh, who's <laughs> in his mid yeah. fifties and it kind of goes back quite a long time for him. And he has like a really bad wig, <laughs> like a bald him wig and like, but he has, his storyline, like he does yeah, like, a little bit, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, but his storyline involves like his biological parents coming back into his life. Yeah. And um, the actors are only actually eight years older than him. In real life, and it's just it's so funny, like because he's like he's clearly a man in these flashbacks. He's clearly a man in his mid fifties, yeah. right? And it's supposed to be, I think, like from the timeline, he's supposed to be in his early forties or something. But so he's only the same age as you, and yeah. He's years older than me in this point. It's like, man, he really doesn't look like it. But um, so that's what it used to do. It used to be like the Vaseline, a bit of makeup, a bit of a bit of a filling, a bit of the hairline where they could for people and. That kind of stuff, but uh, yeah, it seems like, and it, it makes sense because it is like you know there is that technology does exist now. Like obviously in the, in the Marvel films, there's quite a lot of like de aging going on with people. Yeah. 
Um, but it's usually only like one character or a couple of scenes. Like, you know, uh, Captain Marvel was the film that did it most because it had, uh, they did it to uh, Samuel Jackson for the entire, every shot he was in, but that was just the one character. To do that to every single Aes Sedai that's in the show would just be an insane amount of money to do it. <laughs> like, so, yeah. I saw I saw Gemini Man uh, with Will Smith speaking of CGI. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was horrible. I mean, because all they did was just render a bunch of like Fresh Prince faces and put them on some other guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did, it in, they did it in Westworld as well, didn't they, with Anthony Hopkins? Yeah. And that was only like a couple of scenes, and that looked, that looked pretty bad as well. And the thing is with, with that as well, they have ref, they have like references uh, that they can use, like they have movies from when he was that age where they yeah. can kind of... So there's no real excuse for it to be so bad, because like Marvel do it way better than anyone else. Well, they have a lot more money too. They do have a lot more money. <laughs> they have, but even then, like they did it in um, Rogue One, and they did it in the Rise of Skywalker and it and the Mandalorian, and it wasn't as good. And it's the same company. <laughs> so it's like, you know, what what are you if I was working for Disney, I'd be like, Marvel, what is it that you're not telling us about this technology? Because obviously you can do it a lot better than everyone else can. So anyway, yeah, so that that was it. So um yeah, exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, no, and I think it is exciting seeing like a person for the first time. Yeah, in in the Wheel of Time that isn't Billy Zane, although I wouldn't have minded if Billy Zane was in the clip as well. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, I would I would love to see him in in uh, the, the adaptation. I would yeah. love to not, not as a not as like the character who's playing in, in the. Um, whatever that thing was, but um, I'd just love to see him just as a, just in the background. Yeah, kind of like a, something. an Easter egg of some kind. Yeah. yeah because I mean, obviously I mean, you can't have Robert Jordan in it because I'm, I'm thinking if Robert Jordan would have been alive, they would have slipped him in there somewhere. Definitely, yeah, definitely. I'd say Brandon Sanderson will be in it at some point. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. Terry Pratchett was in at least one of the adaptations. I think he might have been in The Color of Magic, maybe, or if he was in uh, Hogfather. Yeah, I think he was in both, actually. Yeah. I think he was in both of them. He was a toy maker in Hogfather. Oh, uh, I'm kidding. He had, like, a toy shop. He was the toy maker, mm-hmm. one of them. Pretty certain he was in The Color of Magic as well. Um, but he, well, he wasn't in Going Postal, then. No, I think that was... Cause I remember um, reading. Uh, I was actually on the documentary about him. He got his diagnosis for um, Alzheimer's when he was on the first day of filming *The Color of Magic*. Mm. And, the day, and he was on set that day, and he, he got the, the he got he went he knew he got the the diagnosis that day, like so. Um, yeah, I remember. I've seen that. There's a couple of documentaries about him, and the one that he did himself about cho- uh, choosing to die is pretty pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, good. Yes, yeah, it was. But yeah, it'd be nice to um, like I'd say, like uh, Harriet McDougall, who is Robert Jordan's uh, wife and editor. I'd say that she might she'll have a cameo in it, and Brandon Sanderson, I hope, will have a cameo in it as well. That'd be that'd be really nice. It'd be it'd be, it'd be cool. Like uh, I don't include us in this, but it'll be cool if like they they're able to get some prominent people from the 
the uh, fandom. Well, I was thinking about the Dusty Wheel. Yeah, Dusty Wheel and like uh, Jason uh, Denzel and, and Sarah Nakamura and all these kind of people. Sarah Nakamura is working as a consultant for the show as well, so that should that should be cool to do that. But um, yeah, that would be great just to kind of have because uh, I mean, I mean, Star Wars does that with the five hundred first Legion. They yeah, get yeah, them, yeah. You get them in, so it'd be it'd be nice. It'd be a nice touch because the um, Wheel of Time fandom is like very loyal and very welcoming and accepting for, for new people that come into it. Um, I mean, they disagree with each other about a whole lot of stuff, but it's always nice. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like flame wars or anything. Uh, and the other, the other kind of little bit of news, we where we tweeted about it and it kind of, we got quite a, a lively discussion. In the um, Irish Times on Sunday, there was a, an interview with Orlando Bloom. Yep. And he was talking about how he has an exclusivity contract with Amazon. So he doesn't do anything for anyone else other than Amazon. But obviously he is um, the star of Carnival Row, yeah. which is Amazon. Films in Prague. And it was also filming at the exact same time as The Wheel of Time was. So it could be like something if they wanted a big enough name to come in to do like a small role or something. Why not if they've got him under contracts already? So I was tweet. I tweeted, um, you know, if he was in it, who... Mm. Who who would you cast? So we had quite a we had quite it was quite a good discussion. We had a few people, some good suggestions. Some of them are people that you've not met yet. We're not up to in the story, but uh, we we had there was a few people wanting him for a uh, Galad if he was a little bit younger. Yeah. Which would have the been... Green Man, I'm thinking. Green Man, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> the Green Man, <laughs> he would be good for that, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, good old Orlando Bloom. That's some, well, exciting. It's very, it's very um, old Hollywood, that isn't it? Having a, a contract with a studio, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the is that the new thing? I mean, I guess you look at. I mean, people who, I mean, because doesn't Sandler has like a contract with Netflix? Yeah, he allows him to do any kind of horrible movie he wants. Yeah, yeah, he, he has. He's able to make whatever he wants. He still works for other companies though, uh, but he's able to produce whatever he wants to with them. But yeah, apparently this one is like he can only work. Amazon. <laughs> it's like, but I suppose the thing is with, with them is like they film everything in Europe. So if he's living in Europe, I, mean, I think he lives in America though, which is kind of weird because like um, he's, he's engaged to Katy Perry, isn't he? So I think they live in America. Yeah, they had just had a kid, I think, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know because I know like there's some actors that do that that they they kind of like they only act where they live basically because mm. like they've got families or whatever. Um, but I suppose like they do only film it. They, they film most of the stuff in Prague for Amazon. So it's kind of like if it's if he's doing a few shows or a movie at once, and it's all filming at the same place. Yeah. You can probably just go over there, and do it, and then come back. So that's why you never know. He might pop up in Wheel of Time because it'll be handy for him and it's part of his contract. Yeah, but I think it also there's a there's a security there because I mean if you look at Orlando Bloom as as his you know if we look at his oeuvre to use a fancy word. <laughs> It's not like he, I mean, it's not like he's, um, he was super big when he yeah. got Carnival Row. I mean, it wasn't like he was doing anything that was blowing anybody away. Yeah. Because um, uh, even in this interview, he kind of said that like most of his success came within the first five years of his career. Yeah. He did the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Pirates of the Caribbean, 
Um, and then he didn't really do anything until he popped up in extras, Ricky Gervais's extras. Yeah. <laughs> where he was sending himself up. And then he was like in a few like kind of uh, little bits and bobs there. Like um, they, then he's kind of had like a mini resort, like renaissance, I suppose. But um, yeah, this is the, if you're just tuning in to us and you've missed the first part of this, this is the Orlando Bloom podcast. <laughs> it is. I was thinking we should have a themed podcast every time. Like we talk about like a certain, because it was like the James Bond podcast last time. It was, yeah. And then, which is funny because we're... there's a scene in it what we're going to talk about. There's a chapter in this sequence that is very Bond-like. I think I was going to say that it was Bond-esque, <laughs> and I was wondering, like, when it's like it's almost like this sequence, and actually the Great Hunt overall is very sandbox gamey. I was thinking about like Dishonored. You know, there's a lot of those aspects. There are little chapters of, you know, yeah. there's this little yeah, mission yeah. here, this little mission there. Yeah, because there's like, yeah, this chapter that's coming off, it reminds me a lot of um, uh, Live and Let Die. Mm-hmm. But which was also like uh, the, the last Bond film uh, Spectre paid homage to at the start, but in Mexico with the parade and stuff. And yeah, it yeah. kind of reminds me very, very much of that. Uh, <laughs> those two films. But we might as well... Might as well get get cracking yes. into this into this wee tome here. So yeah, um, he's uh, so they've gone. They came into Karian. Is that is that how they say it in the audio book? Is it yes? Karian. I always call it I always call it Kerhein because it's like German. It looks German to me. Uh, uh, but obviously I'm wrong. Seems more Irish, I guess. Kerhein. Um, yeah, maybe. But like, what what um, I always liked about about. Uh, this place <laughs> is that there's so much like kind of Asian uh, names mm-hmm. around it, like uh, like um, Jangai Gates and the and yeah, it's like is that what it's supposed to be? Well, like I mean, obviously that there that there's a couple of times where he talks about. The culture of the place and like the very kind of stoic and very into de stamer uh, as well. They, they love a bit of yeah. that. But he, he kind of mentions a few times that they're always quite kind of small and pale. Mm. So obviously not, but like there is like a lot of, um, like even the, the nearest Steading is Steading Shanghai, isn't it? Yeah. So it's like there is this kind of, um, that's one of the things that we at the time, like it's, uh, even like the borderlands are all like there, and it seems like even with the show, they're going to it like a very kind of Asian look for those people. And that's I always kind of got that from the descriptions, but then like the names aren't that kind of way. Um, whereas like this is like the opposite, <laughs> like, yeah. the that way, not. but like I like the, I always like the description of, of the other of, uh, of, of carrying as that as a carrying, carrying. Yeah. Well, actually, with a it was a like a long a carrion carrion okay um i always liked it because it's like the, the topless towers that um fell over <laughs> during the ale war and um they're still building them they're just yeah. just building them forever it's like they're never gonna they're never gonna stop. like it kind of like in egypt or in tunisia where they just like add floors to yeah to building and he does like this really kind of like interesting way of describing the height of them because he he says like you know they've got like he says there's um plain 
uh, grey walls that surround the city. Mm. But he doesn't say how tall the walls are, but then he says like the topless towers are like twenty times higher. So it's like you kind of think automatically you think, oh, this is really really tall. But it's like, but what if he doesn't say how big the walls actually are? <laughs> it's a, no, yeah, it's a. I, I mean, I I liked I like this um, this part because obviously the city is ancient and old, and it has like these noblemen that play the game of houses, which somehow I I just um, did they actually explain what it entails, or is it just like they kind of show each other up by yeah, doing so stuff? <laughs> you you find out a little bit more about it, but it's basically it's just like. This person is up to something, yes. right? And they're always and they're trying to get one over everyone else. This is what the game of houses is. It's like people are just—it's like keeping up appearances, but with deadly consequences. And, and it's it's, like, it's gotten worse and worse, right? Because they talk about like how the game of houses used to be, hmm. and that they before didn't really care about strangers that came into the or outlanders or people that that came from other places but now you're not you're not safe if you're a tourist in the city anymore <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah because people there's a really funny bit where like the rand they go into the the inn that they first come to yeah. the defender of the the dragon wall i think it's called and everyone thinks he's an idol as well. Everyone's just like, oh. and that kind of explains like a little bit of the previous chapter where he was in the in the pub and there's the, yeah. the captain that's kind of very suspicious of that because obviously they all think he's an idol and they have very bad history. With him. <laughs> um, and uh, they so he's he kind of goes in, then he comes into the middle of the room and he's like, "I'm not playing this game. <laughs> like, I'm not interested." And everyone, and it's like. Nobody looks at him, but he knows that everyone is watching him. Yeah, and it's <laughs> he, a, like it and throws him in the fire. It doesn't matter if you play the game or not. Yeah, it's a, it's, that's the thing. It doesn't matter. And there's just like, oh, here's somebody new, somebody fancy. He's a lord of some kind. You're gonna get a lot of invitations, yes. and people are gonna pay attention to, yeah, what invitations you accept and which ones you don't, because if you don't accept them. They're going to start thinking about why you didn't yeah, accept them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, no, it's fun times. It's just, they, even if you don't want to play the game, the game plays you. Is yeah. basically what they were saying to him. Um, and even Tom. So when we meet, we, Tom is back. Yes, we, Tom. The only thing Tom cares about is if he's got his instruments. Yes. <laughs> like, and that his harp is out of tune. Yeah, it's like, it's a good job you didn't play that because you're clumsy shepherd fingers. Right. Cheers, cheers, mate. Cheers. Nice to see you too, buddy. So yeah. it's like, it's, um, yeah, so we, 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 we get into it and, you know, the first bit is just random, kind of getting into the, the city and finding the... Yeah, there's a lot of world building there. too. world forward. building. And uh, this, is, this is what I was talking about, like, oh, theme-wise, because we, I mean, we, we oftentimes compare, we've been comparing Jordan to a lot of other authors. We talked about Joe Abercrombie last and how he was not like Joe Abercrombie. Uh, but in this part, and especially the stuff that takes place in Karin, is that it reminds me a lot of uh, Scott Lynch's The Lies of Loch Lamora, mm -hmm. that obviously is newer, 
but it's yeah. more of an and and like a gaslight almost fantasy. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Because like you have the illuminators and all that kind of stuff and everything, which is like very um, different for fa- for fantasy, especially of this era. Because I mean, this was nineteen ninety as well, and this yeah. came out came out the same year as the Eye of the World. It was, it, it was you know, it was a um, very quick release. Obviously, it had been writing and writing it before Eye of the World had been published. Um, but yeah, there is that kind of. It's kind of. There's almost like what we were saying just before how it's bondish. There's a, there's a very caper, yeah, kind of feel to this section, um, and still with like kind of that Jordan kind of flourish because like he, he he finds uh, Tom by what in other books it would be called coincidence, yes. but in the wheel of time it's Taveran. Like you know, it's Taveran <laughs> nature is getting where he needs to go. Um, which is fine. It's written that, and it's part of the world. That's that's so good. He can do it if he wants to. So then we have like a little catch up, and then Tom is like, it's weird because Tom is such a clever person, and he's talking about like the the game of houses. He doesn't want to get involved in it, and uh, Rand is asking very pointed questions about prophecies and the horn and the Caranthan cycle. And uh, it's quite obvious that Rand is like saying, "Hi, I'm the Dragon Reborn. How are you?" <laughs> but Tom completely ignores that, and he's just like, "Oh, so you're not the one that Moraine wanted? It must have been one of the other dudes." Yes, <laughs> it's like, "Come on, Tom! Like, come on! You you should be putting these pieces together, mate. Uh, you're Chris Holtman's favorite character. You should be getting these things." But he was disappointed that Moraine wasn't there, though. He's got he's got a bit yeah. of a for Moraine. Hmm. Yeah, of course. Uh, he's got a new. He's got a new girlfriend yes uh, actually and then th- this is i mean i know we talked about um we talked about the naive land part of the of the book well last book their relationship uh, or lack thereof but this was the first time i really felt that there was like a real kind of like romantic aspect of the book which I mean, is funny because like we've 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 never met this character before. No. And all of the fingers taken place <laughs> the pages. But it feels like a it does, it feels like a real relationship when it you does. And it, it caught me off guard. I was just like, whoa, okay. Because I mean for one, I didn't think that Tom would be interested in that. I think he's like he's just got his music. Does love his music. I mean, the thing is, we uh, like. I mean, maybe this is my my kind of because I've read it so many times. It's my like, um, uh, experience of the books coloring it a little bit. But I get the impression here that like Tom, it's kind of not a dalliance or anything because he does he does generally have feelings for her, but he knows it's something that isn't going to last. Yeah. Because, like she, he's older. She's young. She's going to be. He thinks she's going to be a, a bard for the courts and stuff yeah, like that. Whereas yeah. he is just wandering, gleaming. It's kind of like, what, I don't know what Star Trek movie it is. It's probably one of the later ones. But there's one where Spock has a relationship with another Vulcan, a Vulcan woman, which is it's like really, really odd. Is it the third one? Is it Search for Spock, is it? Oh no, that's when he comes back. No, this must be the fourth one then after that. The fourth one is when they're on Earth. Must be the fifth one. I think it's the fifth one because they have they have um they don't have the standard uniforms. They don't have those blue, yellow, red stuff. They have like an actual like real 
looks like a ship's mate uniform. I can't remember. But the one woman who played Rebecca in Cheers. Oh yeah, his love interest. <laughs> it's the first one. Is it really? Yeah. It's the first one. <laughs> well, and, and in that one, there's I guess according to Star Trek lore, there's a part of the of the in the movie where Spock and this woman they they go off somewhere and according to star trek lore that's when they have sex mm. but it's only not known to people who are real trekkies and apparently she has a, a kid uh, who shows up later i guess in the series yeah he shows up then in the third one doesn't he the search for spock yeah yeah so coming back to me now <laughs> motion picture yeah, the motion it was it was it was the thing I always did like Search for Spock. It was my favorite. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I don't know if anyone's ever drawn parallels between Tom Marilyn and Denna with Spock and and uh, his <laughs> what's the name? Is it two two lockers or two lockers? Um, yeah, no, I don't think anyone's ever drawn those parallels, but not that I've seen. So this is this is why you tune into easing the reader these. <laughs> These spicy hot takes. Yes. Well, so I mean, Tom, anyway, Tom's saying basically, I'm I'm too old for this shit. I don't want to get involved. Yeah. You know this. He just wants his. Uh, he just wants his instruments, and so he can play because whoever is, because uh, there's also a funny part where he's just like, I was forced to juggle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was basically following them for a little bit, wasn't yeah. he? That's, that's, that's what it's like, cause, and he kind of just gives up because he, he finds that they're all Marine and then back. He, he goes to, he find he meets up with Basil Gill, doesn't he? And Basil Gill says, oh, yeah. like, uh, the ice that got him. So he goes off on his own way. So that's nice that he was following them to kind of yeah. make sure they were all right. But yeah, he was like, uh, he was playing the the nights after the boys were playing of his instruments. But he gives, he gives Brandis a flute, though, doesn't he? He's like, keep yeah. the flute. Keep the flute, son. Keep the flute. Yes, and then that's what we, that's uh, like the last we see of him for for at least this portion, right? This portion, yeah. Maybe not for the rest of the book. Who knows? No, I could. I would imagine that he returns. Um, so yeah, so then then we we come into the kind of bondish. Yes, which I liked. I liked it a lot. I liked that part of it was different, even though the pace. The, it, it, it was very anticlimactic for me because there was like this want for me to be for it to be very very speedy in the way it was written because there's a lot of things that happen and there's a lot of action versus what i saw in front of me and i said it, it seemed like you know when you're in dishonored and you're running around in that uh the distillery mm-hmm. yeah that's the, the kind of vibe i got from it well, the whale, explosive whale, yes. and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, like with this bit, so they're, they're kind of walking down the street, and there's like a parade going on, and Rand is kind of looking at this weird effigy because earlier on in the in, when they first arrive in in Kerry, and there's um effigies of Trollocs, and they're yeah. like, Horin's like it's made by someone who's never seen a, a yeah Trolloc a Trolloc wouldn't. Be like that, I think yeah, yeah. and then like Rand's kind of looking at it as as Loyal's like waffling on, and um, it it's a trolloc. <laughs> the it's there. Uh, Rand kills it straight away without even thinking, but then he's grabbed by another one, and yeah. uh, we see Loyal. Uh, Loyal kills for the first time with his bare hands as well. Yeah, 
Well, he I mean he's a big he's a big boy. I, I kind of found that find uh, to me, I find um, loyal getting more and more annoying as the story goes. Why is that? I just don't know. I'm just tired of him and his because whoever whoever is reading the book, and now because I've listened to two of the books on 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 Audible sponsorship, please. Uh, it's just like he's the, the the person who's reading it every time Loyal is talking is just like, yes, I am an ogier. I killed the Trolloc for the first. It's like he's talking like he's dumb, and it's getting and that coupled with what he says and his actions just makes him very very dull. You really hate the people reading these books. You know they're really well thought of in the Wheel of Sand community. <laughs> really? Yeah, and you're, and you're just you just every single week we're on it. You just you hating them. I you do. say something mean about them all the time. I do. I do. I don't care for them. I wish Stephen no. Pacey, who who does Joe Abercrombie's books, would read them. I wish Graham Norton would read them. Yeah, well, yeah, actually, that would be Stephen I, I Fry was... and Graham Norton in a in a classic mess around would, would, that would do it for me. Yeah, I think Graham Norton just reading all of them. He was um, back when the Lord of the Rings films were being casted. I was, I was like, if they're gonna have Tom Bombadil, <laughs> yeah, Norton, because that was the time when he was just doing Father Ted as well when he was. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Well, they could yeah. have uh, Baldrick do be in there too, because he Baldrick. did the he, he Tony did, Robinson. Yeah, because he did uh, he did the Terry Pratchett books. He did, yeah. And you know uh, the video games of Discworld. Oh, I the love first, them. The first two that was uh, Eric Idle. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, good times. Good times. Very good so, time. So yeah, so these trollocs get killed, and then there's more of them. They're kind of uh, a game of cat and mouse. Yes, I like the description of how there's this like Ren can tell that it's not a an, an effigy because of the way the trolloc is running. <laughs> and I also find it's funny that they have like dark friends that all they do are pretending to hold the trollocs up. It's a, it's a, it's a. It's a well thought out, but also insane plan that they have. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's the it's the kind of plans that I really appreciate. So there, well, um... it it makes the dark friends seem. I mean, I guess I understand what it is, but it also, I mean, why they what they're doing, and I understand the dark friends are scary, but it also makes them look a little bit like a cartoon villains, especially after the Padan Fane. Debacle where he gets like really pissed at them all for not <laughs> protecting the horn. Yeah, and it just sends them all in in, in fancy dress. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. I, I can't wait to actually see it. But <laughs> so they, they they get backed into a corner and then Celine appears. Yeah, she re-enters the narrative, and she's just like, "I've no time for you people. I just want you to be great. Why can't yeah. you be great?" And like, listen, there's, there's Trollocs and Dark Friends surrounding us. And she's like, just kill him. Yeah. Just kill them. <laughs> is, so, is this, this is the part where she talks about, like, if he doesn't, or am I too, too, too soon? Like, she gets pissed at him. Is like, if you're not going to use the horn, 
Hmm. I'm not sticking around. Exactly, yeah. Which is like, from what we know at this part of the story of what the horn can do, it yeah. seems like a bit of overkill. Is all I'm saying, Celine. <laughs> just, just calm down a little bit. Well, this is also, this is where she really becomes kind of like the temptress that we were talking about before, where she kind of like says like, well, you have all these gifts and why aren't you using them? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you just killing indiscriminately? Yeah. Why aren't you? Yeah. Just go why over is, to the dark side already. Why isn't everyone just doing that? Like, yeah. Well, Ingtar is. In, yeah, Ingtar is. She'd like uh, Ingtar, I think. She would like him, wouldn't she? Would it be great <laughs> enough? Would he be great enough? It's a wonder. He's great at killing things. He so, used um, the horn. Uh, we were introduced to uh, the, Illu- uh, the Illuminators. And the, yeah. I love the way that he writes the dialogue. It just makes me laugh so much. He, he doesn't say that they speak with an accent, but you know straight away when you're reading it that they've got some kind of... I always kind of think of some kind of Italian kind of yeah. accent or something. It reminded me of... of uh, yeah, Terry Pratchett has the alchemists that the, the live on like Alchemy Row, the ones that invent moving pictures. Mm-hmm. It, it reminded the illuminators in a way reminded me of them like they're kind of like half crazed because you have to be doing this kind of yeah, stuff yeah, yeah yeah so the illuminators are basically they make fireworks and they have it stored in this guild house in a really unsafe way and from the conversations that were, that rand over here it's obviously these arguments go on quite a lot when people have almost blown themselves up um so we have like a lovely phrase, Tamuz, your mother, she is a goat, <laughs> which I, I like very much. Um, and uh, yeah, it's good. So he's getting berated a little bit. And then Ran just has like one of the fireworks goes off and they come back out again. They're like, be careful with the fireworks and what have you. And then the, the, the Trollocs and the Dark Friends are, are closing in. So Ran has this bright idea of going, let's go shoot a firework at one of them. <laughs> I see how that happens. And then he ends up blowing up the entire side of a building. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, for the, I think, I mean, it's not the first time that we get action scenes, but this is, this is of a different kind. It feels like yeah. Robert Jordan here is getting comfortable in writing something other. Because as I said before, what I found was anticlimactic is this high pace, you know, this quick pace, obviously, in what is happening but he's still kind of telling it in a slow pace. Yeah, and his, his smile is very descriptive, so it's, yeah, you, you kind of have that where it's like, um, well, I suppose that's what happens when you have like a, a scene that has three different characters in this kind of way, because he wants to kind of give them all something to do as well, where if it was just kind of just Rand on his own, or if it was just Rand and Celine, or if it was Rand and Loyal on their own, it'd be kind of more kind of less descriptive I suppose and, 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 and the pace would, would stay high. But I think he's kind of trying to have that like almost like a angel and a devil yeah. on his shoulder, isn't he? Where Loyal is like saying, Come on, we, we we could find a different way to do this and Celine is like, just kill everyone. <laughs> and then Rand is like, I know, I'm just gonna set off some fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> and then there there is a little bit of a throwback to because he talks about like that, you know, they've never it kind of sets a little bit where he comes from because they're talking about like in the two rivers they they're not used to fireworks yeah yeah because they could never afford it 
Yeah, they might see like one illuminator in a blue yeah. moon looking at Earth. Yeah. So, and I, I like the fact that we're introduced in the these set of chapters into two car two new types of people uh, work um, jobs. It's the illuminators and it's the questioners. Yeah. So, um, so after the so the random chapter, so they uh, he that they they run back to the, to the inn after he's blown yeah. up a wall. Celine's Celine says, "Peace out." Yeah, she just left him another note saying. Yeah. You know, you're a kind of dangerous guy, but I quite like it. And then, <laughs> and then we uh, we cut to Perrin, Matt, and Ingtar, and uh, we are introduced a huge um, world building section because we we yeah. finally kind of well we've met the we've met the some AO before, um, but this one we get a real big kind of like this is the AO. <laughs> We're having a good nice little chat. Yes. Uh, Beren's trying to pump them for information. Um, we find out about like what they call the waste, which is called the Freefold Land, and why they call it the Freefold Land. We find out about the capital called Rudian. Um, we find out about he who comes with the dawn that they're looking yes. for. And Matt and Perrin are both like, you know, Rand does look a lot like an ale. And do you think that they're talking about Rand in this bit? Which is a little bit on the nose really but as we know from um jordan's writing style he's not really big into mystery no like he, he does like to kind of keep some things like there is mysteries in the wheel of time and there's a lot of foreshadowing but in terms of like who the dragon reborn is he's no interest in really hiding that no. um, like i'm sure that when you're reading this bit when you were talking when you were hearing about all this stuff about the ale and everything you were kind of like they're talking about rand yeah yeah obviously so, so yeah so you know that's he's no interest in hiding that he just wants he want. i think he's quite comfortable with like all of these prophecies from all these different cultures are all about the same person mm. yeah and when we talked about that before when we talked about the first book that it's not a great mystery who the dragon is no he's got no interest no he's got no interest in in hiding it like as well as things it's like is it the tv show could do it because it's easier to do if you're not going to be because you can change the the focus of the characters whenever you want to like you know the focus of the scene and all that kind of stuff but like you know i think he was just kind of like i've got um because like especially with the first couple of books in this series there's a huge have we talked about it before? There's a huge Arthurian, yeah, uh, led um, influence, and obviously in all that kind of stuff, there's never any doubt that Arthur is who he is. No, and and I mean it does, and it comes back again here because they talk about Arthur Hawkwind too, like that yeah. he's supposed to return mm. when 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 the land is in, in danger. Yes, exactly. Yes. So that's the next. So that's the next chapter because that's that. Um, Engtar and, and Matt and Perrin one is a very short one. It's basically yeah. just, here's the ale. Yeah, I know. The <laughs> whole chapter is just like this big dump of information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, um, it's very book one-ish. That one. Yeah. I think book two, you can tell there was like a year or so, probably where he's kind of developed his style a little bit more. Uh, after finishing the first one, even though they're out in the same year, but that one is very kind of there's there's a lot of chapters like that in in this first book. 
And yeah. this is the first real one in this book where it's kind of like, we're all going to sit down and I'm going to tell you a little story. <laughs> but then we switch to the questioners. Yeah, we, so we get yeah. to see well that kind of stuff. We get to see the... the... Sean Chan. Yes, Sean Chan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get to see the Children of the Light, right? It's Bornhold. Yeah, Bornhold. And yeah. I, I actually like this chapter the best. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, for everything else, I mean, I really like. I I could really get, like invested in in those characters because they're so. I think you get a little bit of a of a. I mean, you get to see their perspective in a way mm. of how they view view life. Yeah, how they view the world, and I think that that was kind of that was because I I had questions about them, like what are they really thinking, what do they really want, and even here, like obviously they're not too happy about the the questioners or their the like every single world has some form of inquisitor. Okay. It comes from a very real world thing. I mean, it comes from like you know Spanish Inquisition and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. even like more modern day versions of it is like the. And yeah, yeah absolutely. And... and I think any place, any, I think it's just a natural thing that happens. Any world that has a strong religious grouping will have that kind of organization that are looking for heretics or, or dark friends. Yeah, yeah. Because Mutant Chronicles, which is a, a horrible movie, that came out a few years ago, but was an awesome uh, techno fantasy role playing game that it's, the movie's based on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also has like a group of inquisitors, like set in the future, because they're also looking like for like dark friends or something like that, or heretics. Yeah. I like it, and it's the same with Joe Abercrombie, obviously the with the itself. Walter. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing as well. Like it's like with these. And it comes from like the Spanish Inquisition with the with the with the Catholics and everything. It was like yeah. no one can be as pure as us. And even in within our own organization, no one can be as pure as us. No, I don't. And that's what it is. Like, you know, it's like it's that it's like the, the real fanatics and the real zealots mm. uh just go to those kind of extremes. Because there's probably some very nice white cloaks. And they really believe in like, you know, what they believe in. They think they're doing the right thing, but then there's other white cloaks that are like everyone is a sinner except yeah. them. But it seems like because obviously they talk about they when we meet them, uh, there's been there's been some questions asked, and they haven't really the questioners haven't really liked the answers. Right? There's a couple of people hanging from trees. Yes, <laughs> they didn't like the answers. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some kids that have been been killed even if i understand that correctly yeah, yeah killed some and, and that didn't go over well with with some of them i mean it generally doesn't no killing kids no. killing no. kids is, killing kids is um you know it, it's one of those lines that you kind of well, you don't cross it if you, no. can, if you can help it but the <laughs> questioners couldn't help themselves that's obviously. right that's right. But I mean, I, as I said, I did like this. It was a nice. It was a. It was a nice break from a lot of sameness for a while. Yeah, 
um, yeah. even uh, when we had perspective uh, uh, point of view changes from you know when we have it from naive's perspective it's still kind of the same mm -hmm. so i think that these like when you see it from part on Fane's point of view you see it from the white cloaks point of view i think it's a nice nice break yeah i mean there um, this is what one of the, the the good things about the great hunt compared to eye of the world is that it's a much bigger world the other things going on because on that face value this has nothing to do with Rand whatsoever. No. Or any of the characters that we've met. Um we've heard we've heard like people talk about we've heard Thane mention Tome in head, we've we've seen like graffiti with it and everything, but surface level stuff, this has got nothing to do with it. It's like um an in almost like an insurrection within the white cloaks because like uh Caradin is kind of wanting to move ahead and get to Tome and Head as quickly as possible yeah. and you know, uh, Barn, like Barnholt, sorry, Barnholt is trying to, and, and Caradine is telling that it's moving too fast and everything. And then we switch again to Bale Damon. He's he's back from book <laughs> one. He's back again, and uh, he's getting followed by uh, the Shan Shan. And he's seen that they've invaded Faum and all this kind yeah. of stuff. Um, we get to see them. They have these like. Uh, I like their beasts. So their ones are right on these like reptilian things. Do you recognize reptilian beasts? Well, you may have met them in the book earlier. Oh, I was going to say, well, obviously in Star Wars. <laughs> um, there's, I may, am I jumping the gun here? Let me just, let me just double check. Remember, um, do you remember when Ran, Celine, and Horin and Loyal are uh, in the other world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's shooting those things with his bow and arrow. Yeah, when he beats Celine, yeah. Yeah, they're the, same, they're the same creature. Oh. But he keeps... Well, I can't remember, now just because of that, I can't remember what he, he called them because he kept saying their names all the time. Grom. Grom, that's right. They were Grom. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's that there. And, a lot of returns uh, in these chapters. Groms, Tom. Yeah. yeah. And then she, uh, so the Sean Channer after a, a seal that Bael Damon has in his mm. possession. Do you recognize the seal? Well, that I don't think I recognize. You'd have to jog my memory. So do you remember what what things? The the our our heroes recovered from the eye of the world. The, they, the, got, they got the dragon banner. Yeah, the horn. The horn, and there was one other thing that they got, which broke. Oh, I don't remember. One of the dark one seals. Okay, and so he has that. He may have one of them here, oh, but now the Sean Chan. You know what accent the Sean Chan is supposed to have as well? No. Texan, really? Why yeah. is that? They all have like a Texan draw. Like it's a he kind of talks about it in in, in later on in the box. He kind of says, I mean, he doesn't even this this chapter. He says that they have to, this. Oh, he does. He said they have, they have this like kind of slow drawl. <laughs> and um, one time, Robert Jordan was asked about it, and he was like, "Yeah, they're supposed to sound like they're from Texas." Okay. <laughs> so there you go. Well, I guess you can do that when it takes place in, in our world in the future. Exactly, and, and they come from across the water, across the sea, to the, to the, to the west. 
So there you go. There you go. Frontier. It's a good chapter, it? It is a good chapter. It's a lot of uh, so now you, those little bits in it. So not only is like it develops the plot in some ways, it brings yeah. in something new, it expands the world. But you have these little links in there as well. So it's like these creatures ran and just met them. Oh, and Bailed and Amon seems to have one of the Dark Ones sealed in his possession. Uh, how did he get it? Yeah. Well, it's an, yeah, it's an interesting chapter. And then we then we get on to the, the final chapter that we're going to talk about, Deus de Mar. That's the one. Game of Houses. Game of Thrones. Yes. As I said, it, there's, there, it harkens back. You wonder if how... I mean... It'd be interesting to know how influential... How much of this George Martin read? <laughs> well, yeah, George Martin and even Scott Lynch, I think. I think there's a bigger chance that Scott Lynch might have read some of it for, you'd for say that, you'd, say, you'd say that he definitely did, because he would, he would have been, probably from his age, he would, probably would have been uh, a young, uh, late teenager, early young man when these yeah. were big. So you'd say that, like, I mean... I'd say most fantasy writers have read Wheel of Time. Like it's one yeah. of those. You know, it's like, you know, fantasy writers of the eighties and nineties were had all read Lord of the Rings. Yeah, like, yeah. They hadn't they were lying? I'm thinking that Martin probably didn't because I'm wondering how much fantasy Martin actually read. You'll have to ask him next time you speak to him. Yeah, I will. I mean, because I know he was. Uh, I mean, I mean, I know he did. You know. Twilight Zone. He did a lot of TV, mm -hmm. and he's very probably steep, very much in in horror, which is he, he's very into his like his kind of staple of fantasy as well. It's he's more into the kind of um uh, medieval kind of children's yeah. knights kind of thing than uh than most other kind of fantasy. So maybe he didn't, but. You know, the, the, the game of houses, Dace de Mare and everything like that is kind of, it's very kind of, it's, it's a little bit too similar, I think. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he read The Great Hunt. Maybe that was the only Wheel of Time <laughs> he read. Maybe he picked it up and he's just like, yeah, this is this is interesting. This is fun. What's the next book like? Oh, man, that's a thick book. I'm not going to read books out of that thick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's the next one's the shortest one. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, um, maybe it's the second shortest one, but it was the shortest one for a long time. Hmm. Maybe it's just like, no, I'm not reading that. Who's Who wants to read such a long book? Who wants to do it? Who wants to read a series that hasn't finished yet? Yeah. Ask him that. Anyway, this is. I think this was fun. This is a very humorous chapter, because this is where he go Rand and Loyal go first of all they talk about you know they have their box with the the horn in but then he goes to does he go to the stable master yeah and asks about inktar and and yeah. celine <laughs> and this guy's the completely like i don't know what you're talking about and Rance is like don't don't ask me what her house is because <laughs> i don't know and he's just like well how am i supposed to know who she is and then, and, the, and the thing is, the, the funny thing is, though, is like probably none of them actually know who Celine is no. for real. <laughs> like, they're all kind of, none of them are actually playing the game, but they're all kind of thinking, like, what game is he playing? Yeah. Because then he's like, he mentions somebody that's, he sees somebody, right, in the stable. Mm -hmm. 
it's like that guy's right there and the stable match is just like i don't know what you're talking about i don't know who i don't know who he's not here yeah yeah because yeah. like a few days have passed as well and like everyone's talking about what happened at the uh illuminators of all. Like, yeah. no one knows the truth of what happened <laughs> ran blew it up is what yeah. happened uh, and um yeah, he's just getting, he's getting just, uh, he's getting loads of invitations. Yeah, and he just throws them on the fire, and the innkeeper's just like, what are you doing? This is from the king. This is from, like, Lord uh, uh, Baffinazar, I don't know how you pronounce it, however they pronounce it, I think. I can't remember. The two most powerful people in the whole of the city. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> um because then, then he, doesn't he say that he regrets? I shouldn't have thrown that on the fire. He says later. Yeah, because like he, like the the innkeeper's like, you know, you could get yourself killed for just ignoring these ones. And then yeah. Ram just walks into the common room and just like is like throws him into the fire. <laughs> and he's like, um, and then Rand is like, we need to leave the city. <laughs> yeah, there's a really weird part too with Huron, right? Where he's just like, because I don't really get. Who does Huron think that Rand is? Because like, he keeps they calling him Lord, and he keeps bowing, and Rand just like, yeah, yeah so I'm like, kind of getting into this now. Yeah, so <laughs> like, like this because like Rand is kind of thinking that like the longer that Huron is there, he's kind of getting influenced by like these people that are kind of like you're you're his man, aren't you? And he's like, yes, sir, yes. It's <laughs> just like it's get it's kind of getting gaslighted into thinking that like. He looks for Rand by all these other people. Um, so, yeah, so Rand is kind of getting a bit sick of it all. Uh, and then there's a fire outside that, that they're in. Yeah. And then they run upstairs, and Hurin uh, is knocked out. The chest is gone. Loyal's worried about his books. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, they're going to burn. And he's like, well, Hurin's in here as well and he's unconscious and the horn's gone like forget about your books um but they get everything outside anyway and then Rand's like I probably have to bring this dragon banner on <laughs> <laughs> brings that with him and uh he finds Ingtar, Matt and Perrin yeah and, I, and that was a really good image I found because they're like they're standing there they talk about like Perrin's burning eye or glowing eyes mm -hmm. It's just you're too late. You're too, too late. late. We had the horn. Now the hunt is back on again. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. The hunt is back on again. Isn't it becoming it's it's becoming a great hunt, is it not? Yes, it is. It's become yeah, no, actually this is I think I was thinking that it was gonna be a little bit of a slog. At these chapters here because I didn't really know where it was going and it, especially like there was I mean the whole I think I got the whole with, with everything with Tom and everything like that it wasn't super interesting but then it kind of picked up hmm. by the end and it really yeah it's, it's, a, it's a good steady pace this one yeah uh, the, the changes in the regular changes in POV helps even like mid chapter or even yeah. at the end of the chapter. This is something he does quite a lot in this book. He did it again in one of them where um, Rand and Tom are talking and then Rand leaves and it switches POV to, to Tom for yeah. a couple of paragraphs, which he's kind of done a few times in this book. Um, but it's like it's effective because it just makes 
everything feel uh, so much more alive and there's so much more going on compared to the first book. I, mean, I, I do like the first book, but it has its issues and the more you kind of read the other books, especially the one, especially this one, quite, it's, I think it's quite a big step up. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, definitely. Because already, like, we're in, jeez, we've got only this much left in the book. And... According to the, uh, to the uh, Audible, we have like uh, 10 hours and 8 minutes left. Well, that's no time at all. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, we've rattled through this one. And yeah. um, I tell you what, there are some big, big twists ahead. Oh. As well. And so turns. It, uh, Twist, no, no turns, just twists. No turns, just twists. With twists, no, no turns. I'm afraid they're all heading in one direction, but they twist on their way there. So um, no, it's a, it's a great, it's a really good book, and it's like you can see. I'm, I'm glad that you're enjoying it. I think you can see how it's like a, very much a, a fan favorite. Yeah, especially from the early sequence. Is the man from the first, from the prologue, Bors. the man known as the man known as Bors? But is he coming back? He may have already been in it. I was thinking he might have been one of the. I was thinking it, in the, and I'm just going to speculate. Do do the white cloaks meet him? Well, you know he's a white cloak. Yeah, but I mean, is was he in the chapter with the white cloaks? He may have been in it, or he may have been mentioned in it. Yeah, that's what I was kind of getting the sense. That's why I asked. Well, you know he's but a he, questioner as well. Uh, he, maybe, does he like he, killing babies? If you go back and, and read the description of, of his uniform, it has the little crook yeah. on, on the star, so you know he's a questioner. So, we're saying, you know, he's uh, he's uh, he's not in the prologue for no reason. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Is there um, always going to be a prologue? Um, maybe the Dragon Reborn doesn't have one, but I think every other one does. There's one. I think that I'm, there's one book that doesn't have one. I think um, I can't remember which one it is now off the top of my head. But um, yeah, mainly. And then there's the, um, some of them have epilogues then as well. Okay. Epilogues start creeping into it at some point. Um, yeah. So there's a lot to look forward to, yeah. and uh, yeah, we've, we've only got three more episodes left. Of um of this book, so we're we're back in two weeks and we'll do the next six. Yeah. So after that, we're going to have uh, Rebecca from Reading the Pattern as a guest to talk about a very uh, interesting part of the book, and then we'll be having Matt, our, our uh, season finale villain, the innkeeper returns. will return to to talk about the end of the Great Hunt, and then we'll be into the Dragon Reborn by yeah. May. Be fun, be a good time. We'll see where where we're at then in the in the world, too. Probably lockdown in Yeah, I know we got. Uh, I mean, I got a memory on 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 Facebook about. Well, actually, a lot of my colleagues have been putting up memories on Facebook when when it all started because it's been a year now yeah. since we went home from mm -hmm. from we started remote teaching. So yeah. it's um, long great. year, yeah, a year a year and a week for us. Yeah. And we've been in we've been in a full level five lockdown since. But you've yeah you've had it a lot rougher. I mean, it's here in Sweden. It's been we weren't that locked down 
and I mean now it's starting to I mean it's starting to get rougher I mean places that sell alcohol have to be closed by eight you're not allowed to be more <laughs> oh no <laughs> you, know, you can do takeout but you can't be I just don't understand that really, but like, yeah, we, we've we've been um we've been in level five lockdown since the last week of October, apart from two weeks over Christmas, so it's it's six months now we've been uh, full lockdown. It's uh it's uh it's not great. <laughs> no, I know it's not, not great at all. Yeah. I was I was so you know, it's crazy because we last week two weeks ago I think we were talking about it's like we need to go out and do something. We need to go out. And, you know, grab a cup of coffee or something. We need to get out of the house. Mm. And we 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 did, but I mean the rule here in Sweden is that if you go you can go to a restaurant or you can go to a cafe if it has its own entrance to the street, because then you can go out you can be then you can be four at a table. All right, yeah, but yeah. if you have to go to like the restaurant in IKEA, you're not allowed to because you're only allowed to be one person in like a shopping mall or a store. So if there's a cafe inside the store, you're not allowed to be four people unless that place has its own entrance that is blocked, and then the other entrance is blocked off. Convoluted. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, I, I bought a bench to buy outside my house so I could sit outside. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> I could sit outside the front of my house, or I could sit in the garden of my house. So I have the freedom of of one or the two options. That's what I did. Yeah. I do have a bench on the front. No, I have, I have, a, I have a coffee on my bench, and some of my neighbours come and sit next to me on the other side of the bench. And <laughs> that's, that's why I sometimes, some days, I take my laptop outside and I type outside on my bench. Yeah. That's what I do. That's it. So, have you got any, have you got any news before we we wrap up? Well, we have a big piece. We have news. I mean, you have news. I do too. And we have news. We do. Yes, just released today is uh, our publishing company, publishing house, Breaking Rules Europe, just released our first anthology, Lost Lore and Legends. That is correct. 300 and some drabbles of exquisiteness. <laughs> it's all about European folklore, myth and legend. So Robert Chardon would probably have liked it, I think. Yeah, there's some other ones sneak in there too. On the back end, but mostly we have Celtic, we have Scandinavian, we have Slavic, we have Iberian, we have Germanic, with all that that entails, mm -hmm. French, yeah. German, Dutch, and for the, the for a limited time being, you can get the ebook for just ninety nine of your ninety nine cent of your whatever currency ninety nine zero point ninety nine currency. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and I have this. I don't know if I can actually. Do you think I could share my screen and that will work? Let's see if this will work. So I have this. Let me see. No, because you have you have not you you will not allow it, Chris. This. Well, how? This bit out. What I can make you the host if you want to. Yeah, go on, go on, make me the host. Go on, do it, do it. That's what I've always wanted. Okay, yeah. let's see if this works. So, coming June, 20, 4th of June, 2021. Oh, there you go. 
uh, in Solitude Shadow, which is the first book of the Empire of Ruin series, which is, um, if you like Wheel of Time, you like Game of Thrones, you like The Witcher, because it's kind of European influence as well, there'll be something to love here for it. It's um, first of a trilogy, uh, the whole trilogy we're aiming to get out this year, so it'll be very, very quick, one, two, three. It's available for pre-order at the moment, I'll put the link below, but that is the front cover. We revealed it a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the main character on the front, Colleen Alpenwood. Um, one of the main characters, there's three main characters in it, uh, but she is one of the main ones. And uh, yeah, I'm very, very excited for this to come out. I've been waiting for a while <laughs> to get it out, and uh, very excited about it. Um, I hopefully, all people will like it and people will enjoy it. So that's it. I'll put the link. I'll put the um, link below. So that is that. That's my name. Tell me if one enjoys. David Eddings. Yes. Will they enjoy it? Yes. <laughs> yes. If you enjoy anything, you'll like it. Oh, there you go. There you go. So that's it. That's good. Yes. Um, we should say we have a foreword by uh, folklorist and best-selling author Benjamin Radford in our... So if you just want to buy it for that. It was a very nice foreword, I thought. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. He did a yeah. good job in He's he uh, he's a good guy. Yeah, very he's good. sending me a a signed copy of his clown book, the clown in in clown lore. Clown lore, the that bad is. clowns. It's called. He was talking about he did uh, he did a podcast or he did he wrote a book several years ago actually before like the latest big clown. The big crown clown phase frenzy or Brave. whatever. Friends, yeah, and he had written it about, and it's just so like it comes with every like every five years. There's a new clown frenzy. Yeah, people just rediscover how weird they are, and just, just like why why do they exist? And every five years, people ask this question, and then yeah. and then they reappear again. So that's that's what it is. But um, yeah. we'll see. Well, that's it this time, and we'll see you in two weeks. On the next turn of the wheel. Exactly. Goodbye. Bye.